Welcome to This Dad Reads, a bookish podcast spanning genres and fandoms. I'm your host, Jason, and this is a special on-the-road edition of This Dad Reads at San Diego Comic-Con. What is up, my fandom friends? I hope everyone is doing well out there. And whew, what a ride it has been. I was able to attend San Diego Comic-Con for one full day on Friday, July 21st, and it was an amazing experience. It's something that I've wanted to do almost for my entire life, since I was in junior high, loving comics and reading Wizard Magazine and um, reading Gen 13, and um, it's just been one of those cons that has been so present in the community for so long, and I knew one day I would get there, and this year it happened. Quick shout out to my friend Justin, who I've had on the show before, who basically was able to get me in We talked about it on our Instagram live, um, we did in the lead up to the con, but um, was able to get in basically on an exhibitor badge, helping out at one of the booths, the Bob's Burger retail booth. Um, So my my payment for the con was just some of my time for the day. So from about 2 p.m. till the close of the con, that's what I was doing, hanging out. But I'll get to that. I kind of wanted to do a little breakdown of just my experience of the day, just from start to finish. And um, so let's jump in. So I live about four, five, six hours from San Diego. I live in Central California. Um, So um, Thursday night after dinner with the family, drove down, um, hung out with my buddy Justin. He was able to kind of put me up for a couple nights at his place. And so, um, you know, amidst some very tearful goodbyes from my family, you know, at the end of a long day, you parents know kids can be just more emotional than usual. So it was actually really sweet. Um, but said goodbye to the family, made my way down, um, didn't hit too bad traffic, got to, uh, got to Justin's place about, you know, 1130, 1140, which was a little bit later than I was hoping, but you know, that's how it goes. So basically jumped in bed right away, got about like three hours of sleep. And next thing we woke up and, um, made a new friend named Dwight, who's a part of the 501st Legion. Uh, we went to his place and he drove us down. Shout out Dwight. What's up? Um, and that was about another hour drive to get to San Diego. So had a really quick trip down there. Um, basically met up with the hotel, met up with our, uh, our vendor guys, got our badges and we're able to go into the floor early, which was really cool. Obviously there's no like sales or anything going on at that time. But uh, what I didn't know was that was basically the calmest the day was gonna be for that, you know, basically hour, 45 minutes, an hour that we had on the floor to ourselves. So I wish in hindsight that I had valued that more. (laughs) Um, But it was cool. got to look at the Star Wars Ahsoka stuff um, without anyone getting in my way, able to take some pictures. Um, and then we were off to the races. Once the doors open at 9.30, the main thing I wanted to, I had a small list of things that I wanted to do um, before I had to kind of start at the Bob's Burger booth. Um, the first thing being was J. Scott Campbell was there, who is the one of the main creators and comic book authors and illustrators, sorry, illustrator that he's been that in the industry for a long time. He mainly does covers now, does a lot with Marvel, does a lot of Spider-Man covers. He had a huge booth this year. I mean, I know he's been at cons in the past, but his um, booth was one of the bigger ones. It was really cool. He announced a new fairy tale fantasies that he's doing this year. That's kind of a line of creator owned um, versions of 
you know, fairy tale characters. He's done calendars in the past, and he's doing that again this year. So that was kind of how his booth was branded out. Um, I grabbed his exclusive cover of Spider-Man 25 that was signed, and then I grabbed his whole set of pins for his fairy tale fantasies line. I couldn't really resist. And then they gave out this exclusive preview clear card for fairy tale fantasies, which is really cool. And they gave me a free hat. So they asked me what my favorite color was and then they came back and brought me a J. Scott Campbell hat. So, you know, just got to rep, rep my fandom for J. Scott Campbell. Um, so I grabbed those things, went and grabbed my wristband for the exclusive Star Wars book of Rise of the Red Blade. That was also high on my list to do. Um, and then just kind of made my way around. Uh, just wanted to check out to see what else was going on. Um, there's so much to do on the exhibit hall floor, and that's basically where I stayed the whole day. You know, I'm, uh, comic book retailers set up their spaces, sellers, um, huge names like Lego and Marvel, they're all set up there. So some things I just had to kind of glance at and say, hey, that's cool, but you know, I'm on, I'm on my path, I'm on my track, on track to get what I need to get, you know. So then I bought my, went and bought some early copies of Lightbringer, um, got to spread, spread the Red Rising love. Um, some of my friends um, back at home who I gotten into it promised to grab them some copies, so I grabbed that. Um, and then I just kind of walked around. I, I wanted to touch base, and um, I got some This Dad Reads bookmark business cards made up, so I wanted to kind of network a little bit, just pass that around, you know, uh, put names to faces with some people that I've been touching base with only on email, so I touched base with my Dark Horse rep. Um, touch base with some of my publishing reps and then got to kind of meet some new people and hand out business cards and hopefully you know keep uh keep the networking going keep the love going in terms of reviewing books and having authors on the show so that was really cool it's tons of nice people like the thing that I've really loved about cons and I, I'm not a big con person I've gone to a handful in my life it's like everyone there is just so nice and is there because well obviously some people are there working but uh, you wouldn't be working those jobs if you didn't have some sort of passion for what you do. And just obviously once the floor opened, it was insane, literally like wall to wall people. And that was the part at the end of the day that wore on me a bit was just the people, the, it took, you know, what would take like a two minute walk to get across the exhibit hall floor was easily a 10 minute walk just because the amount of people that were there. But again, everyone was in a great mood. The vibe was really cool. And, um, you know, come lunchtime, me and my friends were like, just get us some food. We need to go sit down, trying to find a spot to sit. You know, the sitting on the con floor, it's just, it's so funny. You walk out into the lobby and there's people just sitting on the floor everywhere. Uh, sitting spaces at a premium. So I forgot I also bumped into the Star Wars Explained crew, Molly and Alex. That was really cool. I got to say hey to them, take a picture with them. I'm really bad at taking pictures, you know, as I'm experiencing things. So really, the only pictures I got were uh, my friends and I, when we first got in there, and then anytime I ran into an author or a friend, we would just take a quick picture. So I very quickly had multiple bags of stuff that were weighing me down. <laughs> so, um, you know, by lunchtime, I basically had everything I wanted. One thing that was high up on my list, and I think me and Justin talked about this at our on our live as well, was Peach Momoko, who was an awesome comic book cover artist, was in attendance. And I knew the fervor and excitement for her was really high, but to get tickets to get her to sign, that line was one of the longest I saw 
all day. Todd McFarlane's line was also very long, but Peach Momoko's line was one of those where it was like, oh, is this where the line is? And it's like, no, it's split up into five different sections here, 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 and here. So I kind of resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to get to see Peach Momoko or get anything signed by her. So I kind of filed that away and thought, okay, I'll come back here later. Thankfully, we headed back that way to her booth. And once the line died down for her tickets, I was able to grab her con exclusive. Um, it's the Mandalorian season two issue one from Marvel. She has an exclusive cover that was only for sale at the con. Um, she had signed ones available, so I was able to grab that. So I'm glad I at least was able to get something of hers that was an exclusive to the con. I saw her from a distance. She was kind of at the back of the booth signing away and doing her thing. So at least I got to grab something. And it came with a cool little trading card version of the cover as well. So um, there was another exclusive version of that cover, which was a sketch variant, which I really wanted, but I can only buy it when it came with another variant that I didn't really care for and I didn't need to spend, you know, a hundred plus more dollars. So my, my, uh, my wallet was, was, uh, my wallet and my budget were helping me stay on track with that one. So really glad for that. Um, then I got to go actually get in J. Scott Campbell's signing line, which was really cool. Got to actually meet him and interact with him. I'm really crossing my fingers that he will come on the show. He took my business card, business bookmark, and seemed interested. So uh, I was able to kind of get in there with our shared love of K-pop. His wife and I have a shared love of K-pop. So I'm really hoping we can get him on the show. So uh, send me your good vibes, everyone, that that happens soon. Um, so that was really cool. I had him sign one of my original Gen 13. I think the first book of his I ever bought when I was probably like 13 years old, 12 years old, at my local comic book shop. It was a Gen 13 cover with Roxy, just a solo Roxy cover with a white background. Now I have his epic pink signature to add to that to match Roxy's pink hair. So really, really cool. I was stoked about that. And met, met some really cool other J. Scott Campbell guys in line who are my age, who have been just back when he was doing Image Comics and Wildstorm stuff. Uh, I love just meeting new friends in lines and, and being able to you know find people who have that same kind of fandom fervor and love that you do so shout out to those guys i don't i don't know their names i don't i'm not going to be able to shout them out by name here but they were really cool by the time we got to lunch and i was able to grab some food it was getting close to my time to interview pierce brown um and so made my way back to the book world booth and i uh, got to kind of see the line for uh, the lightbringer signing and all the other howlers who were excited to see him and buy lightbringer early and then uh, was able to chat with Pierce Brown. So here is my interview with Pierce Brown, the author of Lightbringer at San Diego Comic-Con. All right, check, check, check. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm officially, you're my uh, solely and only guest on my On the Road podcast episode here at San Diego Comic-Con. I feel special. How has your uh, experience been at the con so far? Uh, it's been wonderful, been wonderful. It's uh, exciting to see the fans come out, especially now I finally have something to uh, offer them and all their patience. You always have something to offer, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. So I have started doing Bookstagram, book reviews, podcasting, and I've been spending the Red Rising love ever since I started. It's something that I jumped into. I actually played the board game first, which was weird. weird and then I jumped in, in yeah. yeah, like tabletop games are my thing. So cool. Um, and I started connecting with the Hell Reaper guys. I've known them for a long time. So it's been like my mission in life to connect. I do a lot of Star Wars stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so all these Star Wars people, I'm trying to get them to come as, to be part of the Red Rising fandom. Oh, cool. And slowly but surely, it's happening. So Believe it or not, there's some commonality, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? So unlike Philip and Jeremy, who I'm still getting a hard time, I've actually finished Lightbringer. I, yeah. got, I got the arc, oh, so I'm man. like, dude, yeah. What'd you think? I want this to What'd be like spoiler-free, but yeah. I don't know how that's even possible. 
It was amazing. I mean, I'm not like a ranking books person, but it's my it's my new favorite book. Like, Thank you. What was it about it that really captured you? I think just the juxtaposition from dark to light, especially in like obviously dark age to light bringer, right? And I just felt like the connections and the humanity between some characters that when things got mended, I was like in tears. So the trio of guys that oh, like man. reunite, what and it was like, it was so good. And like, I, I guess I want to hear from the author's perspective. Was it as like fulfilling for you to write those scenes with where there's some you know kind of restoration of relationships, right? And honesty between, especially like guys, right? Like I feel like yeah. that's kind of rare. Like was that as cathartic for you to write as it was for me to read? It was um, cathartic cathartic when I discovered it okay. and then and wrote it I would say it was difficult to discover it okay. you know um, I think that a lot of that came to fruition in the last draft and in the last to be honest couple of weeks of writing Interesting. and when it really started finding full circle uh, the story came full circle and a lot of the relationships um, well there's a lot of payoff in these in, the, in these moments right and especially when you've been caring about these characters when they're younger yeah. and honestly this book was my ode to the first books and to their feelings of childhood nostalgia. And what's fun, and I think a little bit different than many books of this ilk, is that the characters themselves understand the nostalgia and feel it as well. And so that parallel between your thoughts and feelings matching with theirs, I think created a very unusual book that really hits home. 100%, and I felt that. Like, Thank um, you for saying so. Yeah, for sure, and I think that it is that mixture of like nostalgia and you've been with these characters for so long and you know what their journeys have been and you you know like from your personal experience what broken relationships feel like and maybe those go unmended and yeah. or you sometimes know when there's like grace and people can restore those relationships and it's really beautiful. Well so, said when there's grace, yeah. Yeah, and I guess is that I mean where is there personal stuff from your life that you pulled from for that or is it purely just like spilling it out on the page? Purely spilling out the page. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there someone you need to restore a relation? I'm just kidding. That's funny. I, I don't really create like that. Sure, sure. I'm sure it informs it in some nebulous 100%, way. 100%, yeah. But um, I think I just really care about the characters a lot. That says a lot, man. Like, that you can really... Like, obviously, they are yours. You They live in you. Yeah. But it feels so, like, true. Like, it feels so true. Thank you, And man. I feel like that's really what I came away with was that... I, and I'm using the word catharsis, but it's that payoff, right? Because there's been so much dark, and you yeah. do, have done such a great job to expect us to get us to expect the worst. Yeah. And so it feel I feel like there, that emotional weight is so much more because it's like finally good and is finally happening. It, thank you. And, it, and my, my thought was, is in Dark Age, push it to the extreme. Oh my gosh, yes. And all the promises, the Vlorn and Nero <laughs> yeah. and everyone who said, you're going to create a Dark Age, well, we have to feel it. Yeah. You have yeah. to feel that hopelessness, you right. know? And it, it's very seldom in books where the bad guys keep winning time after sure, time after sure. time after time. But I think that gauntlet was necessary to face the questions that Darrow faces at the beginning of Lightbringer. And that restoration of the hero, you know, makes me emotional just thinking about it. 100%. And it's like, you know, afterwards you're just like, God, I love this guy. Yeah. You know? And it's earned, right? It's yeah. not just like, just because he's the yeah. your main character. Oh, like, man, if I hear an early Gary Sue thing, I'll roll my eyes. <laughs> like, you know, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, I really care about it, and that's the funny thing. And it's like, ah, because that you know, it it's, gets you. I know. You know, I know, man. I was, yeah. I was there, and I, I'm talking to people on Reddit, talking to my friends who have gotten to the book. I bought copies for them because they're into it, yeah. telling me they're throwing books, you know, on the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys aren't ready. Like, you guys aren't ready for Lightbringer. Yeah, man. I'm gonna cheer up too. Especially <laughs> like, that last third. Oh god. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, I bawled like a baby. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, so I hosted a group reread. You know, just you just uh, did a signing here at Comic Con. I heard uh -huh. a guy saying that he did, everyone's doing rereads. Like you probably know that yeah. everyone wants to catch back up. It's one of those dense things that you want to be ready to go, and you don't want yeah. to have anything you know not at the top of your mind. I hosted one online, and some people were noobs and joined in, which was really cool. Oh, really? And cool. then some people were new, and so we did it slowly because you know I'm a dad. I don't have a ton of. I read a lot, but it's like. I got to plan this out, especially with your books. Yeah. Um, and so I asked my group if there any questions for you because I told them I was going to be interviewing you. And so my friend Patrick Fradley, shout out to you, Patrick. He did have a question. He said, in book one, when Pax throws himself on top of Darrow as a shield instead of subduing the jackal directly, was this because he didn't want to directly raise arms against House Augustus? I think so. Um, I think Pax is, is one of those characters, if he does hit someone, they do die. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But it's also very short amount of time and I think he thought he could take one hit one stab I didn't think he I don't think he thought it would be dozens I feel like um, you've done a really good job obviously of, there's a ton of characters that we've grown to love and care about especially leading up to this book but one character who I feel kind of comes to the forefront and shines is Diomedes oh, and my boy. like I love him so much and I feel like very quickly in this book he's risen up to the top like Top tier? I didn't, top I didn't tier? realize it. I didn't realize that until now, but I feel like you did a great job of kind of highlighting a different, like, twist on um, a hero, quote-unquote, right? Because yeah. he's different. He's not Darrow. He's not Lysander, but he's kind of doing things a little bit differently. So mm -hmm. I guess my question is, how did you approach this kind of twist or what? I guess, tell me just a little bit of background on creating his type of character. Honestly, a slow burn. I wanted a character who um, did not show everything that was inside yeah. him. And a lot of these characters are very... Well, they wear their hearts on their sleeves and are, you know, they project their egos. But I wanted a cold, cold character who gave flashes of what was inside him, and then you slowly get to see it unravel. And to be honest, shit, when Iron Gold came out in like 2017, this has been a six year character yeah. developing him right. and like slowly rolling him out. And you get a better feeling from him in this book and really understanding what makes him tick. And then um, I think, you know, a lot of this book was reward for the patience of some of the stuff I did in Iron Gold, because almost all the seeds you see now are coming to fruition. Most, there's not many new characters in this, even Ore um, was seeded in Iron Gold, and I always knew what I wanted to do with those characters, and it's really fun to see those seeds come to fruition. Yeah. I guess that's just like the big theme of my takeaway was like, so much payoff, right, was happening yeah, so with, with this book. For and a bridge book. And like, that's why it's so... Well, that's why it left me wanting, like, obviously, Red God, you know, yeah. stoked for that. Because yeah. I'm like, there's more. Like, it it's, feels... It's a self-contained bridge book. It is. It right? is. And, like, how is it... You know, and that's not what's my favorite book, but it's for a bridge book. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it, really, it's really wild, really right? And, and that's why I think this yeah. book is so very special, because it shouldn't be... I don't think it should be your favorite book of the series. But it's weirdly mine now. Because it, it, it just means a lot, yeah. I think. Yeah, for me, I feel personally. that. I, feel yeah. it. I think everyone's going to feel it. I can't wait. I'm going to read it again when it comes out next week because oh, I want to, I got to go along with everybody. I can't exciting. just like be away. Um, I want to touch on Lyria really quick before we're done. She makes a very definite choice about her place and everything in this book. And I did hear you talk to Jeremy and Philip about this. I heard you talk about kind of her choice and what that means. Um, I, for one, and this is not saying anything spoiler, I don't think, was I was a little bit surprised about kind of that arc. Um, and apart from that kind of exploration of her character she kind of takes up like a little bit of a back seat especially like you said that last third like she's it's really focused on a certain set set of characters right so i wanted more of her i guess in the end is what i'm trying to say and i just want assurance that lyria is going to have her time to shine well, i can't tell you anything Come I'm, not, on. I'm not going to give you a spoiler <laughs> um you know 
I think that it can really fuck up a book if you try to give everyone yeah. the spotlight. Sure. Um, so instead, I give the story the spotlight. And if the character can help out in the story, yeah. and when they do, and when it's relevant. Um, because when you reread it, I think you'll see okay. the, that her beats make sense. Sure. And simply put, there wasn't much more for her in this part of the story. Fair enough, fair enough. And in the next part of the story, there will be. But what I found is when you give equal representation of time to each character, you artificially create slowdowns. And so instead, I was, I've learned and changed and evolved a bit in how I do multiple POVs. First book was everyone got the same amount of time. But that wasn't what this book was. And so each one, in each book, I think you can see I change my rhythm. It's a different wheel yeah. each time. And so that was me exploring this one of like, follow the story. But she also had some cool stuff. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. And her and Cassius's relationship. I know. I know. I know. You're killing Don't me with that. You're that killing one. me yeah. with that. Like, e <laughs> I'm not gonna eaglet that. one. Ugh. Oh, man. I can't. So the end is in sight. I know you're writing Red God right now. How does it make you feel? We've been, you've been emotional talking about the, yeah. sub, the penultimate book. Like, how does it make you feel knowing that there's a day in the future where like this part of the story will be over? I function best in ignorance, man. <laughs> Don't we all? It makes me too sad. Don't we all? No, it makes me too weirded out. Like, I can't think about it. You know, I do, it's too weird. We don't want to either. I'll, it'll, it'll hit me when I finish this, the next book. Yeah. Probably on like the second draft, I'll just be like, whoa. Okay, okay. It'll be so Fair weird. Enough. What, I guess, to the howlers out there, to everyone who's clam, you know, clamoring to get their hands on this book, it's out there, like you, copies are going it's out. It's like, around, yeah. What do, you, what do you want the community to know before they dive in? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so I do something on my show where I talk about, um, the last book I read, what I'm currently reading, what I'm planning on reading next. Mm -hmm. So I asked that to all my guests. What was your last current next? Um, last book was Tyrant by Christian Cameron. My current is How to Lose the Time Warp. My next is um, The Colossus of um, Rhodes, I think, by um, Henry Miller. Okay. Yeah, no, The Colossus of a Marsui or something. Okay. It's a Greek travelogue book. On yeah. brand. Yeah, because yeah. I think like when I'm done with this tour, I think I might have to go to Greece or something. Dude, I'm going to Greece in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool, man. I'm going to see you there. Yeah. I'm going to see <laughs> Definitely. Thank you again so much to Pierce for chatting with me for a couple minutes at Comic-Con. Such a good guy. We had a great conversation. I uh, mentioned it in the, in the interview, but both of us were kind of tearing up at moments because, guys, get ready for Lightbringer. Um, Lightbringer is out today, the day this episode comes out, so you can go get it and start reading it. I'm going to reread it, reread it again this week because I want to be a part of the conversation online. I want to experience it with everyone else. So I actually can't wait to dive in again and experience it all over again. And like I said, Lyria has some time to shine, but I can't wait to see where she goes. Um, there's a trio of guys in this book who will honestly, it's the heartbeat of the book to me. And so much of course happens to move along the plot and everything for our friend Darrow and his uh, his family and his crew. But the emotional beats of this book will get you. Will, will really, really get you. And again, if you haven't started Red Rising, you guys know by this point, I'm never going to stop beating the Red Rising drum. It's amazing. If you are one of my Star Wars friends and um, ever ha need, need a break from Star Wars or in between books, please pick this series up. I guarantee you that it is something you will enjoy. It's a journey, so I, it, right now it's six books, so I know it's a commitment that sounds like a lot, but you will not regret it. It's one of those 
books that, you know, even at seven or 800 pages, you're going to read it as fast as you would a 300, 400 page book. It's that good. You won't want to put it down. So again, thank you again. I want to also say a special thank you to David at Random House World to help me coordinate this interview and chat with Pierce. Thank you so much, David. So guys, the rest of my time at San Diego Comic-Con, I got to hang out at the Bob's Burger booth and just make make friends, see people give out stuff, help manage their line. It was really fun. I'm glad I got to stay in one spot for a time and not have to navigate just the you know craziness of the exhibit hall floor. Um, and it was really nice of some of my you know author friends to come and find me and, and meet me because I couldn't really get to them. So George Mann made his way to me. We took a quick picture. Uh, Kristen Baver made her way to me. I got my Art of the High Republic book signed by her. Um, I ran into Justina Ireland who was walking around. So she signed my arc of Path of Deceit. So, so thankful for just the kindness of these folks to, you know, go out of their way to come find me and to just say, hey, and take a picture. I just love the book community so much and the authors are a part of it. And I'm hoping to get Justina on the show soon, Kristen on the show soon. Um, so just so much love and I, you guys are the best. And I, the one thing that I, regretfully couldn't make it to was the High Republic signing, the For Light and Life signing back at the Star Wars booth. It kind of conflicted with my time, but I'm so glad that so many folks got to get their early release of the Light and Life YA anthology signed. Um, wish I could have run into Kevin Scott, obviously, and um, Charles Soule, but I'm sure it won't be too much longer where I get to chat with them again on the show. So, And I'm planning on being at Comic-Con again. I'm hoping this is not my final Comic-Con experience. So, um, so much to look forward to in the year to come. I was also not able to attend the Lucasfilm publishing panel, but they did announce some of the, or they revealed a lot of the covers for phase three, which look amazing. Oh my gosh, the Corey Brickley cover for Tessa and Justina's next YA novel. It looks amazing. I just spent so much time after the con just looking at that image. Corey is an amazing illustrator. His stuff is just, it's amazing. You guys know he did the Path of Deceit and Path of Vengeance covers. I hope they do a poster of this at some point. It's stunning, like stunning. Um, I know the middle grade novel got its cover revealed as well. And then some of the uh, Marvel covers got its covers revealed. Phil Noto, obviously always killing it. Phil Noto is crazy. Like, I don't know if he ever attends cons. Guys, hit me up if he ever does. I would love to meet him and get some of his stuff signed. I feel like he's kind of this just myth, this ghost who's just out there churning out Star Wars covers all the time. Um, <laughs> he's like this vague figure that I know is amazing, but I just feel like he, uh, he just exists in this mysterious space. So anyway, I also found out today on my way back that Harvey Tolabao was at the con, the um, cover artist for and interior artist for a good chunk of the High Republic Adventures. I'm bummed I didn't know he was there. I would have loved to have run into him. Harvey, if you want to be on the show sometime, I would love to chat with you. So all in all, the con was an amazing experience. It was one of those things where I knew the day was going to fly by and I knew the time would come when it would be over. So I was really trying to be present in the moment and experience everything for what it was. Thank God I, you know, was running off of three hours of sleep and fumes and adrenaline and excitement. It definitely got me through. And just the good vibes from the people. Like, I can't say it enough. And that's, it, it, it just is so cool to find people who have their own individual passions and fandoms, but also where we have passions that overlap. Obviously, Star Wars is a big one of them. Just the love of, 
you know, media and comics and writing and art. And it's so cool. It's what brings all of this fandom together. And it's what connects me to all of you in a way. And so I can't say enough how much being a part of this community has really brought so much joy to my heart. Um, obviously, I have joy and passions and, you know, a career and a family that feed certain those parts of my soul and my family. I wouldn't trade my family and my life for the world. And just seeing how this kind of hobby and love of something that, you know, it means something to me in a different way can just be fed and nurtured. It's so cool. So, poof, man, I love you guys. I love being a part of this community. I love being able to create content that can hopefully connect us in what little way it does. And, um, yeah, that, I guess that's how I want to sign off this episode was just to say thank you for all the friends that I've made and I'm excited for the experiences that are still to come. The books that are to come, um, High Republic Phase 3, I'm going to be diving into that uh, YA anthology next. I guess I can end this episode with doing a quick Last Current Next, so let's jump into it. So the last book I read was my group reread of Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. It was an awesome time. I Again, it was one of those books where I couldn't put it down. Um, it's one of the standouts for me in the new canon, and if you have yet to start a Star Wars book, Lost Stars will now and forevermore remain the book that I say where you should start. Um, I loved hosting a group read, and for the people who jumped in, I, I saw that some of you couldn't read it. <laughs> you read it way faster than I did, so kudos to you. I hope this is the start to your Star Wars reading journey. The next book I read, I already said it, it's going to be Lightbringer again. Um, it comes out today. It's out in the world, so I'm going to jump into that and experience it with everyone. And the next book I'm reading is For Light and Life, the YA High Republic anthology by a number of High Republic authors, almost all the High Republic authors. Um, it's the latest book from Disney Lucasfilm Press. It's an um, anthology series, tells stories all over the High Republic. Um, I'm so excited to jump into this because we're going to get lots of different um, voices and stories across the High Republic timeline. Um, so yeah, that is coming out digitally on August 2nd. Um, physically, I believe in September at some point. So that is what I'll be jumping into next. Um, and I will be reviewing that when it comes out in a couple weeks. Once again, thanks to Pierce Brown and to Random House Worlds for carving out some time to chat with me at Star Wars Celebration this year. My review of Lightbringer is up now and the book is out now everywhere. So whether you're an audiobook person, a physical, digital person, grab it on whatever platform uh, is your choice. And if you still haven't jumped into Red Rising yet, there's never a bad time to do so. Howlers are always welcome to join the fandom. So excited to join the community and just shout from the rooftops that Lightbringer is out now. Uh, this has been Jason on this special on the road edition of This Dad Reads. I'll catch you all next time. Thank you so much for listening. For more of my content, visit my website at thisdadreads.com for full book reviews, interviews, and articles. Follow me on socials at This Dad Reads on Twitter and Instagram. This Dad Reads the Podcast is produced by Erebus Industries and me. Special thanks to my editor, Jeremy Tuttle, and Tacoma Media for the use of their song Bounce. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. Catch you next time.